Hello there and welcome to the Storymakers Institute. Conversations, analysis and dispatches from the front lines of storymaking. If you haven't yet signed up for the Storymakers Institute on Substack, then you're only getting half of the story. Receive podcast episodes, written analysis and exclusive dispatches on storymaking straight to your inbox, but only on Substack. For all the details, head to the storymakersinstitute.substack.com. Mitzi Goldman is the founder and CEO of Documentary Australia, and with 35 years' experience as a documentary director, producer, and editor, she's created numerous award-winning international documentaries through her production company, Looking Glass Pictures. And in this conversation, we talk about the passion required to create, whether good stories come from activism or journalistic neutrality, and the key issues facing documentary makers globally. This is the Storymakers Institute with Joel Carnegie. Hi, Joel. What is it about documentary that has held your gaze for all of this time? I think it's been a love affair, actually. You know, I um, stumbled into it uh, in my very early 20s, um, not having been much of a documentary viewer myself before that time. And... um, it was just it just absorbed me from the very start the hands on tactile film lacing up the machine looking at the flickering image all of that you don't quite get that so much anymore no it's not it's not digital is a whole other thing which has its own benefits really but uh but really back in the day yeah there was that very tactile analog relationship and i guess that love affair um probably also had its highs and lows too Oh, for sure. I mean, right back in the beginning, you know, they were heady days and it was very, the sort of political formation of my ideas was um, happening through the form of documentary storytelling, you know, and I was an assistant editor and I'd make coffee and water the plants and screen the rushes and was just the sort of general dog's body around the place. And, um, but really cut my teeth working with some of the best documentary filmmakers in the country in the editing room as an assistant editor and then started to make my own films, you know, develop my own stories, you know, direct um, and produce. And, yeah, look, it's a very difficult industry in some ways. You know, there's not a lot of money in the sector. Um, It's changed enormously over the three three plus decades that I've been involved. Um, and And it's tough, you know, but I... I, you know, when I say it's a love affair, I mean, you've either got to be a lunatic or you've got to be completely in love, <laughs> you know, to sort of carry on. It's a particular kind of relationship, I have to say, just as any art form is, I suppose. It chose me. <laughs> it's kind of a nice way of putting it, isn't it? Would you describe the form as being a type of long-form journalism or do you, would you describe documentary as being something else entirely? I think it's something else. Maybe not entirely, but um, I think where journalism is urgent, immediate, um, responding to a news cycle, sometimes able to go deeper, documentary um, isn't bound by that same quick turnaround, you know, of journalism. So documentaries can take many years, you know, to come together. They can go um, very deeply into a complex story and um, weave together, you know, it's a very, it's a very complex form. So um, whereas journalism, not that it's not complex, journalism is much more 
immediate and responding to um, the current affairs of the day. What would you say are the building blocks of a great documentary then? Um, access is important. <laughs> access and um, having, a, you know, a very genuine relationship of trust and collaboration with the people whose stories you're telling, um, either lived experience or, you know, a solid relationship of trust, um, I think is key. You, you, because if you don't have that, you see it on the screen. You see that there's a lack of rapport. You know, you need to, and that can often take time to to really strengthen. So I'd say that's one of the most important things. I think that you have to um, be very dedicated to um, the people that are in the film, you know, the people whose stories you're telling, the communities, you know, and I think a broader sense of the context in which their story sits, you know, because people don't just come with a story you know, they come with a whole life experience and a whole background and a whole lot of baggage and a whole lot of context. So I think the ability to um, weave a, a very personal story into a kind of broader universal um, truth that other people can relate to, that other people can enter, um, is very important for a great documentary story. And then, you know, uh, a bit of drama helps, <laughs> you know, um, a really a bit of you know a sense of what's going on you know a bit of tension a bit of tension or if you you can't always get that you know I, I it's not like I'm saying everything should be sort of a true crime or something but like often I for me I think what really interests me is the um, often the moral and ethical complexities of life that people deal with you know and and being able to go in deep and weave a story that is profound, you know, on, on, on minutes. And that could be that could be an essay style, you know, it could be a historical style, it could be an archive compilation, it might be an observational, you know, crime threat. You know, there are so many different subgenres within within the documentary genre. Do you think good documentary can be brought from activism as well as from neutrality? Or do you think the documentary maker always needs to have a view? Yeah, it's a great question. That's a really good question, Joel. Um, look, I think there's no shoulds would be my first answer um, because every maker, every storyteller is different and every storyteller approaches a story in a different way and much of the storytelling magic, if you like, is the relationship between the storyteller and the people in front of the camera or, or in front of your microphone, right? So um, whether they're inclined to have an opinion or coax a particular angle out of the person they're talking to or be completely neutral is pretty much up to the storyteller and the relationship they have with the story they're telling. I don't entirely believe that anyone can be completely neutral. Um, and I think that that's obviously what journalism strives to be objective and neutral and to stick to the facts and try not to have an opinion. I think in documentary, um, you know, you inevitably, you can't pretend that you're not selecting, that you're not editing, that you're not framing in a certain way, that you, that you, you it may be a silent 
um, perspective or point of view. But I think that documentary filmmakers generally have a point of view and how, depending on how heavy-handed or how foregrounded that is, that is up to the style of the documentary. I mean, you know, we see a lot of presenter-led, um, almost written forms of documentary on television that are, you know, obviously, you know, have a very, a very, you know, foreground and point of view. And then the observational style is there's still a perspective clearly, but it's it's more in the background. Yeah. Did that answer your question? Yeah. Well, I liked how you know that the word should you know and um and uh, because I think you're right you know nothing nothing should be one thing or the other but um but I suppose that um in embedding yourself into uh, a community or a situation or a you know working with individuals who kind of are outside of your own experience as you're kind of describing as, as you're kind of working with them to to tell the story um there's going to be kind of views that you kind of create as you're going along and I suppose it's really a question of whether those views ultimately make it into the sort of final <laughs> final cut or not but I suppose it depends also on the exactly the type of documentary you're trying to make and if it is about um trying to elicit response from your audience i.e go and fundraise or go and kind of protest or whatever it is yeah and I, and I think that there's um We've all seen things where, you know, the presenter or the presenter-led or the voice, in a way, behind the documentary, um, sometimes they're believable, sometimes they're really irritating, you know, sometimes they're, it's all about them and they get in the way, you know, of the audience and the subject. So, you know, there can be, a, there can be too much ego involved, you know, sometimes. And um, I think it's about the elegance of the storyteller, you know, how elegantly you can um, insert your perspective without it getting in the way of the story, you know. So, of course, there's a selection process that happens. But, um, you know, I, for me, documentary is an art form and telling a story well and being a great storyteller is about assembling information, introducing the audience to, you know, character, place, story, issues, the complexity of life without you getting in the way as the storyteller. Is it a quest of truth-seeking? Yes. I'd say there are various truths. It's not always, there's not a single truth. Um, but I do think truth, but there is such a thing as truth, you know. I don't think that truth doesn't exist. Truth definitely is a part of it. Whose truth, you can ask, you know, that's where things get complicated and interesting. Um, but definitely I think something's got to be authentic and genuine and real and truthful, definitely truthful in the way that it's the way the story is told. One of the uh, the articles you've written recently um, or a little while back now from, from a screen hub, I'll just read a little quote back to you from your own words where, where you said, I often hear people say that documentaries are too harsh, too dark, yet I find in the nuance of various shades of darkness a light that permeates the human condition. Yeah, I mean my, my most recent film, which I made a couple of years ago, was about a young man at the age of 36 who was diagnosed with um, a cancer on his heart a very, very rare form of cancer, and he'd just become a father of twins. And he asked me if I'd make a documentary so that his twins would know him. 
and from diagnosis to death was only five months. So it was a very, very quick process. And um, I said, of course, and I walked alongside him during the last five months of his life. You know, it was a really painful story to tell. Um, I was telling it for him and really, you know, to go back to the question about impact, the impact of this film is going to be felt probably in 20 years into the future when his children received the film. They were only two, three. They were only actually one when he died, so like now they're three, four. Um, they, they won't be old enough to really understand this film for another 20 years or so. So that's when the real impact of the film is going to be. Um, it was, you know, uh, at the time I remember feeling the weight of sadness, you know, but at the same time I also felt that he was giving this incredible gift to his children and there was there was a um, an urgency and a laser sharp focus that he had on what on the beauty of life, on what's beautiful, what he all the things he wanted to tell them, all the things he wanted them to experience, all the things that he would miss and that he loved to do, which came down to some of the most simple things like swimming in the ocean or sitting in the park, or you know, it's not that he wanted to suddenly go bungee jumping. You know, he wanted to enjoy the simplest pleasures of life in the darkest moments and um it was it was an incredible experience and and for me um i think it's something of that you know that you know in the heaviest darkest moments we are all human you know we're all humans together and we hang on to the beauty that we've experienced or that we can share or that we can give and that's, I guess, what it's all about. You mentioned in the same article about people running towards fiction over over documentary. Why do you think that is? It's not for everyone. You know, my, my family jokes with me, you know, that for, for me that, you know, like my idea of a good time is to sit down and watch some catastrophic, devastating documentary about the state of the world, you know, and and they, you know, and they just want to, you know, go see a musical or something. But um, of course, people want to escape. You know, the world is the world's tough, and it's in your face, and um, not everybody wants to go there, you know. And I, I think that. Definitely, people want to escape, and I mean that—that's just the reality of the of the genre and the form. You know, often people say to me, "Well, you know, it's my weekend. I'm not going to go out and see a documentary in a cinema." <laughs> you know, but then there are a lot of people who are drawn to real stories and real documentaries, and I think that the audience is is definitely growing, and there's a new generation that's searching for you know meaning and purpose, purpose, and you know just don't want to, you know, have an appetite of kind of the light stuff and the fast food. So, you know, I think there there is something for everyone. But, of course, I understand that people need to escape and have fun and have a laugh, you know. <laughs> what are some of the key issues facing documentary making in, in this country right now, and perhaps even more, more globally? What are some of those, those key considerations that are that are that are really bubbling away right now always funding is really difficult to get <laughs> you know funding is always a key issue you know finding people who um 
care enough to support your work financially. Um, I'm, you know, I run an organisation called Documentary Australia and we are specifically there to help filmmakers find philanthropic partners and other partners in the social sector that might help take their films to audiences precisely because it's very difficult to find funding. There's not enough government funding to go around um, and those gates get narrower and narrower for filmmakers to pass through and um, the broadcasters have really, over the last couple of decades, have really moved towards very predictive, you know, reality format sort of shows and away from, you know, the more observational, you know, or po- poetic style of documentary making. Um, it's very hard to get the broadcasters on board with those. So funding is probably the biggest challenge. And then also I think the distribution model in this country is pretty broken. So getting those films to audiences is a huge challenge as well. So on the one hand, people say, yes, but we've got all these streaming platforms now and we've got Netflix and Stan and Amazon and Binge and, you know, et cetera. But it's really hard to get your films on those platforms. It doesn't actually make it that much easier. And they pay less and less for them. They want all the rights. They, you know, forever in perpetuity. And so no one's offering really better deals for filmmakers, actually, even if there's a proliferation of platforms. It is still very difficult, very competitive, um, which is, I always think is is ironic in a way. I mean, I know that audiences love documentaries when they can find them. <laughs> the question I always get asked is, where do I see these films? Where do I find them? Because they're on one night here, one night there, you know, in Cairns tomorrow, in Canberra the next day, and you know, next week it'll be in WA and then it'll be in, you know, Kuma. You know, they, they sort of pop up a night here, a night there. You know, in some ways that's great that communities, are, you know, there's a cinema on demand model and communities can bring documentaries to their local cinema. You know, it's, it's, I think it's really difficult to get them funded and get them seen. And that's the focus that, that we have in our organisation is let's help filmmakers get their films made and get them seen and the way we do that is by building communities and partners around the films that can help carry them to audiences fund them and and just you know bypass the gatekeepers I guess you know like so that filmmakers can have a direct relationship with their audiences you know whether it's online even if you build the audience online but then you take them to the cinema or to the workplace or you know, to schools or wherever. Uh, we need to take the documentaries to the people. <laughs> <laughs> Huzzah! That needs to be on a T-shirt. We'd see that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, what are you optimistic about for this slow form of story making? Deliciously slow form, I should say. Yeah. You know, I love it. Like I have never got bored. In over 35 years of doing this, I have never got bored. It's endlessly fascinating and rewarding and it changes all the time. So I'm optimistic for the next generation to really embrace it in new ways, to really know that they've got the power is in their hands really to, um, to engage with this form. It's much cheaper than drama. It's cheaper to make. It's, um, it's much more accessible. You can tell, you know, I used to, I used to teach um, documentary making in primary schools because kids can just you can pick up an ipad or an iphone and they have a very unique perspective 
and there's no barrier to the means of production. You know, you can just go out. What's important is the immediacy, you know, and the relationship between you behind the camera and whoever's in front of your camera. And that's what makes a really great documentary. You know, it's that magic. And you can do it on an iPhone. You can do it on an iPad. You know, it doesn't have to have a whole art department to make it good, you know. So I'm excited and optimistic about what the next generation does with the form and who they partner with and what stories they tell and how differently they tell them. Yeah, it's it's a very improv. I, I always think of documentary like jazz music. It's an improvisational form, you know. there are Yes, there's a basic structure, but then you just improvise and, and you make incredible stories. Mitzi, uh, thank you so much for having a chat to me today on the Storymakers Institute. It's been um it's been really lovely just spending time just musing on the delicious slow form process that is documentary making. Thank you very much for joining me. Pleasure, Joel. Pleasure. The Storymakers Institute is created on Wadawurrung country. Keep the show sustainable and strong by becoming a subscriber on Substack today. With podcast episodes, written analysis and dispatches on storymaking straight to your inbox and Substack app feed. Visit thestorymakersinstitute.substack.com for all the details with annual, monthly, zero-cost and gift subscriptions available. And if you're a free subscriber, make a zero-cost contribution to the show by leaving us a star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and spread the word about the show. We'd be most grateful. Thanks to Dom Evans on post-production. I'm Joel Carnegie. I'll catch you next time.